And I'd like you to turn with me to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. You'll know these verses. They're the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance, faith. Okay, you should learn that because they're the things that God wants to do in our lives. But can you imagine anyone would take this list of the fruit of the Spirit and take out one of the particular things and say, we don't need that anymore. No one would do it. No one would do it. They'd say that you're, you're crazy. You can't take out peace or patience or goodness or faithfulness. You can't just discard those things. Yet that's exactly what we do with a similar list of the gifts of the Spirit. Because the gifts of the Spirit are listed and people say, but prophecy is not for today. And I want to address this. The reason most of them say it is they say it's because we have, now we have the Bible, so we don't need prophecy. And uh, God reveals himself through that. Well, let me say that the fact that the Bible is God's final revelation to us, it's not in dispute, never has been. We rely on it, we accept it, and we live by it. It's the benchmark by which we judge all other truth. In other words, we believe in the Bible completely. But some people say that prophecy only existed until the Bible was completed. And then when the New Testament was completed and added to the Old, then we didn't need prophecy anymore. Well, I beg to differ. Um, all the gifts of the Spirit are the working day tools that the Christian needs to fulfil the great commission that Jesus gave to us in Matthew 28, to take the gospel into all the world. We need every one of those things. We dare not ignore one of them. Now, I don't intend to uh, argue the issue regarding the Greek word for abolish, which is what goes on in their minds. Um, we can do that another day. If you want to talk about the Greek, we can do that. But I want to talk about how God uses prophecy today and how we can learn to understand its value. I do that now because we're, we're on the Daniel fast. You didn't realise it's named after Daniel, did you? Yeah. Uh, actually, their church or churches are doing the Daniel fast at the same time as us. So um, it's very interesting that God's doing these things around the world. Um, but the reason I bring it up now is because we're fasting and we're saying, Lord, give us the power and the ability to bring the gospel to those people in the world that haven't heard it. And we need such things as prophecy. We need the supernatural. Now, you may be very rational in your thinking, but I'll tell you this, that rationality, although it works for some people in coming to Christ, most people come to the Lord because of the supernatural. Something happens in their lives that brings them up short and God enters in and speaks through it. And so I want us to start to think more about the supernatural and that prophecy is one of those important things that we should have. Um, turn to Hebrews chapter 5. This is where I meant to go originally. There's some very interesting verses in Hebrew, Hebrews chapter 5 <coughs> that are very often missed out. And I'm going to start from verse 11. Hebrews 5, verse 11. Now concerning him, Jesus, we, we, him we have much to say, and it's hard to explain 
since you've become dull of hearing. One of the things that fasting does is it gives us acute hearing. We can hear where sometimes we've got dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you've come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness. For he's an infant. But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. These verses say that we can train ourselves in discernment. In fact, our maturity is seen by our ability to eat solid spiritual food. You shouldn't be a baby. The immature need to grasp the, what it says here, the elementary principles of the faith. That means literally the word of the beginning. We need to go back to the beginning and learn those things. This, uh, this includes an understanding of what it says here are called the oracles of God. Now the oracles of God, uh, it means hearing and understanding what God's saying. And when prophecy comes along, that's what prophecy is meant to do. Bring us God's word into a situation at a given time. In the Old Testament, uh, you'll find that um, when Stephen was preaching, it's one of the things he preached about to the people before they stoned him. He said that the Old Testament law, the oracles of God, were understood by the prophets. All the written words of God in the Old Testament. Romans, Paul writes in Romans 3, he talks about this very principle again. Peter writes in his letters about Christian teachers bringing the word of God, the oracle of God to people. Now, the oracle was just simply a way of finding out the will of God in the Old Testament. That's what it's about. And don't we need to know the will of God in this time in the New Testament? Yes? You agree? Okay, we're very strangely quiet this morning. Is it the, the new year coming too quickly? <clears throat> so the oracle is the way of finding out the will of God in the Old Testament. God speaks, we need to hear it, and maybe we need to train ourselves to hear it. Um, I know that people get a little worried about the fact when you say training yourself, but <clears throat> that's what it says here. But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. You can train your senses, spiritually speaking, uh, in these areas because of practice. In other words, if, you, um, if God gives you a, a word to give to someone else, if you've never done it before, you're in a panic. I, I guarantee that. You're in a panic. Am I right? Am I wrong? Uh, is it the right thing? Once you've done it, <coughs> and someone says that's the word of God to me, it gives you confidence. By practice, you're learning to do these things, to discern both good and evil. So that's why you need to do these things, not have an academic understanding of them. You need to do them. Now, I'm being fairly brief about things today. <clears throat> we can go into it more at a later time. But God gives both gifts and ministries. And the difference between a gift and a ministry is this. The gifts of the Spirit are something that God gives to you to give away to someone else. 
All right? It's not for you. It's for you to give away to someone else. And a ministry is when God gives a person to the church. So God has given Daniel and Rose a ministry. He's given people to the church. Whereas the gifts of the Spirit are very often things that God gives to you to give away to someone else. All right? Now the prophecy mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, uh, you know, that's where you'll find about the gifts of the Spirit and how to use them. Um, They can be, when it says prophecy there, it can be a gift you're giving away or it can be a ministry that you need to discern the two. Now Paul states that everyone can prophesy in a meeting. What? It's gone a long time, but he actually makes a a point of this. And in fact, in... in, um, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 1, it says this. Pursue love. Okay? God wants you to pursue love, yet earnestly desire spiritual gifts. So some people say, I'd rather have love than the gifts. Well, I'm afraid you're reading the scripture wrongly. It says have love, but earnestly desire. And earnestly desire means I want it. I want these things. Earnestly desire spiritual gifts, but especially, he says, that you may prophesy. Isn't that interesting? Especially that you might might prophesy. Bring the word of God into a situation. And that's what we need to get back to because we've forgotten how to do it. We need to get back to that place where after pursuing love, and if you pursue love, you'll end up in the gifts, And if you're going to end up in the gifts, earnestly desire that you might prophesy. Chapter 14 goes on to explain how to do these things. We're not going to go into that. Um, But let me say a tongue and an interpretation is the same thing as a prophecy, by the way. And sometimes God chooses to use one thing, sometimes another. In Ephesians chapter 4, it speaks of ministries. And the ministries are what we call the five-fold ministry. They're foundational to the New Testament church. That's what it says. Some people want to do away with foundations. I want to say you can't do away with foundations. You cannot do it. Friends of ours who were, um, when they bought, first bought the house up in Liverpool that they had as a use for their house meetings, they knocked down walls that they shouldn't have knocked down. And they discovered that the floor suddenly started to go like this. And there was a panic as they ran to get acropops to, to hold the, the ceiling up, which was the floor from above. You can't do away with foundations. And some people would love to do away with them because prophecy is not always um, seen by people as being necessary. So what is prophecy? Well, it's not a wild-eyed man shouting in the street, all right? It's just not that. I've been a wild-eyed man shouting in the street before now, doing evangelism, and I know some people are frightened to death of someone like that and cross over the other side of the road (coughs) because they think these people have strange ideas. In fact, I have a cartoon at home that you know where people go out with a banner that says the end is nigh or something, this is one of a man holding onto the banner and running for all his worth and written on the banner it says, here it comes. And I found it so funny, I cut it out of a magazine. 
So it's not about wild-eyed, strange people. It's not about the future. I know it can be. God might say something about the future, but we're not into future prophecies. That's not what it's about. So it's not fortune-telling. Some people have thought, well, prophecy must be like that. It's not fortune-telling. It's speaking forth the mind and counsel of God. And I believe that God has given that to some people here and they've not realised it and not done anything about it. What's its purpose? Well, 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 3 says this. It's there to exalt us, to edify us and to comfort us. Exhortation, edification and comfort, says in the authorised version. To exalt us is to encourage us on. There's nothing better than to hear the word of God come from someone's mouth encouraging you to go on. And we need encouragement at times. There's always times when we need encouragement to go forward, to go on, to continue doing what we're doing. Why? Because we have an enemy out there who tries to stop us. And God speaks through his church to encourage people. So, so exhortation is encouragement. To edify comes from the word edifice, or we have edifice comes from it, which is a building. It means God wants to build you up. The reason we use the gifts of the Spirit, and maybe we'll be looking at others later, is they build us up. There's, you know, have you ever been in a situation where you desperately wanted to hear what God wants to say to you? And somehow you're not hearing it. But then suddenly someone stands up in the meeting and prophesies a word that goes right to your heart. You ever had that happen? It's happened to me many times. And it builds us up. And God's building a building. Every brick is you and me. We're the bricks that God uses. And he's building us this building that he says is for a place of praise and worship. Somewhere where worship to God can come. Because the people are grateful to God for all that he's doing. And comfort, well, that speaks for itself. Except there's two ways of looking at the word comfort. There's the comfort that God gives to us when we need it in sorrow or difficulty. But there's also the comfort where God prods you and gets you to go onwards. It's a provocation in your life to go on and go forward. So the purpose of prophecy is to exhort us, to edify us and comfort us. Now, you may say, well, I know all about the Old Testament prophets and they're all strange bunch, some of them, and there's one lying on his side for months and there's, there's this doing that and that. Look, there's New Testament prophets as well. And the New Testament prophets are foundational to the New Testament church. For instance, if you have a look with me in Acts chapter 13, it starts off very simply. Now there were at Antioch, in the church that was there, prophets and teachers. Why does he write that, prophets and teachers? Because prophets are foundational to the New Testament church. Now, we have a list. Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Now, it doesn't say which ones of those were prophets and which ones were um, teachers. But these people were important enough for God to have used 
Because if you go on, if you read on a little bit, for, for it says, while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. Now, if you read something like that, to me, it begs a question. How did God say, separate unto me Barnabas and Paul? He did it through prophecy. That's how it went, the prophets. It wasn't a teaching issue. It was an issue of prophet, the prophetic. So God said, separate for me Barnabas and Saul. Now this was the first missionary journey that they went on. And you know, there's three main missionary journeys that are shown in the Acts of the Apostles. And this is the very first one. Very important. Started the church on a new, um, new way, let's say. Going out sending people out, preaching the gospel, seeing things happen. So these people had such a prophetic, powerful ministry that it actually sent out people and started the church on this missionary work. It prepared Paul and Barnabas for what happened when they, they ended up in Cyprus. And they came up to, uh, they met a man, a proconsul. His name was Sergius Paulus. And this man was being influenced by a false prophet who was called Bar-Jesus. And Paul confronted this man and actually said prophetically, you're going to be blind for a season because this man was bringing confusion into the situation, stopping the gospel. It happened through the prophetic. When people say, we don't need the prophetic nowadays, God help them because I need it. I need to hear this. I need to see God say these things and do these things. Don't you agree? We need it. In Acts chapter 21, there's a man that appears more than once actually in Acts. I've just picked out one. But his name is Agabus. And in Agabus in Acts 21 verse 9, it says this. Um, now this man... Oh, this is Philip. You remember Philip from earlier on in the Acts. They, they've come to the house of Philip and it said that this... Now this man, Philip, had four virgin daughters who were prophetesses. And as they were staying there for some days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Coming into us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands and said, this is what the Holy Spirit says. In this way, the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt, and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And when we'd heard this, we as well as the local residents began begging him not to go to Jerusalem. But Paul answered, what are you doing? Weeping and breaking my heart. For I'm ready not only to be bound, but even to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And since he would not be persuaded, we fell silent. The will of the Lord be done. Now, this prophet came he was a recognised prophet. He, he was someone that God had given to the church as a prophet. It's his ministry. And he comes and brings this. Now, what, he, what Paul could have done was say, anyone like to buy my belt? Think about that. The owner of this belt will be bound in Jerusalem. Anyone like to buy it? But he didn't do that. But Agabus came and brought this word. And what it did is it, was, it prepared Paul's heart for what was to happen. 
And sometimes God will speak a prophetic word that prepares our heart for what's to happen. So when it happens, we say, ah, God knows all about this. And if God knows all about this and he's speaking about this, he's in charge, he's in command. Just reminds us who's in command. Now, the, uh, they interpreted it originally. Don't go, Paul, don't go. But Paul says, just a minute, you're getting it wrong. God's preparing me. And in a latter verse, and version, when he's talking about this, he says that um, this very word had been given to him throughout the churches on the way down. Other churches, other prophets had had the word. So it confirmed his heart. Now I'll just bring out one other thing. Note this, that Philip had four daughters who were prophetesses. Ask the question again, it begs the question, where did they prophesy? Where did they prophesy? Yeah, that's right, in the church. So if the prophetesses prophesied in the church, so much for claiming that Paul doesn't want women to speak in church. In other words, it throws light on other verses and we have to look at those verses in the light of this and say, what does it mean? Follow these things through, folk. It's important. Now, if someone brings a, a prophecy, you'll read that we have to judge prophecy. In the Old Testament, you knew if a prophet was false or not, but whether or not it happened. If it didn't happen, it was false. In the New Testament, we likewise have to judge a word. It's unspiritual not to judge a word of prophecy. It's unspiritual. Don't think that it's, you know, I can't possibly question a word of prophecy. It's unspiritual to not do it. It will be biblical. It will be truthful. And I ask the question, does it exhort? Does it edify? Does it comfort? Does it sit well with your own spirit? That's a very important thing. So we judge the word. Now, we're not sitting here with a pen and paper ticking off things, that one. But, you know, these things become natural to us. It's very rare that um, someone has had to be stopped or someone has had to be corrected. It's very rare, but it does happen occasionally. But it shouldn't be a problem for us here. We're family. So we're better to learn than in the family. Um, prophecy, you know, is very rarely directional. When you hear prophecy, it's, it's not often, you know, thou shalt paint thy front door green. <laughs> That's not the sort of thing that happens. And it's hardly likely that it's the first time when you prophesy, you'll prophesy about the end of the world coming next week. You know, God's going to use different people for those things. But we judge prophecy, and that's our safeguard. Now, how do I know if I have a word of prophecy? Well, it's back to Hebrews 5, by experience. You get to be experienced in hearing the word of God to your heart. The more you hear it, the more you, uh, you know it. Now, it often accompanies a very nervousness in your spirit because of a bit of a stirring, shall we say, Sometimes people have prophecies where they, they have the first words and you step out in faith and God brings the rest. Sometimes 
God will show something, like a theme or something to someone, and they'll bring the prophetic word in their own words. That's very important. You bring it in your own words. You're not a robot. So you speak normally. I say this because people often say in a thunderous way, thus saith the Lord. You wouldn't go into a shop and say, thus says me, I would like a quarter of jelly beans. <laughs> but thus says the Lord. We don't necessarily need those things as an introduction, but we don't need to be abnormal. We don't need Shakespearean language either. I think I've told you before about one of the funniest prophecies I ever heard where someone said, Thus saith the Lord, kiddest not thyself. Kiddest? Where's that come from? Shakespeare? No, you don't need those sort of things. Now, who can prophesy? Well, in 1 Corinthians 14, 31, it says we all can prophesy, one by one. Now, I don't think Paul is saying, is advocating that at the time. You need to read that yourself. But he's saying it's a possibility. Because God can use all of you if you've got your heart open to him. You haven't got a ministry necessarily in the prophetic, but you've got some words or some things that God uses you in as a gift. Um, if you... Uh, in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 6, it says... Well, I'll read it to you. It mentions the prophetic here. I hope that you'll read through 1 Corinthians 14. Now, brethren, if I come to you speaking in tongues... No, it's not the right. Oh, yes, it is. What will it profit you unless I speak to you either by way of revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? Now, we believe in revelation. We believe in knowledge. We believe in teaching. Why have we cut out the prophecy? We need the prophecy. Okay? Bear in mind one thing. The scripture says that prophecy is partial. In other words, it's only part of something. There's more to come. So it's not the complete thing, it's partial. So there's always more to come and let God do that. So if I want to receive a prophecy to myself, I'm sitting in the meeting, someone brings a prophecy, it should fit you if it's for you. Okay? It's not like trying to fit a glove that's only got four fingers in it. Oh, somehow I'll manage it. It should fit you. Don't try and squeeze into it. It should fit you like a glove. We know in part and we prophesy in part, the scripture says. So they're always partial. So you need more to complete the picture. But it might be the very word that God wants to drop into your heart to take you on to the next stage. One or two other aspects I want to just finish on. It takes faith to bring a word in a meeting like this. And faith is spelt risk. Okay? Faith is risk. But you're among brothers and sisters, so take heart. If you're horribly wrong, which is highly unlikely, that will be sorted out. Be humble. Don't insist that if I said it, it must be true. That's what happened to one of the most famous American evangelists who started off a, a lot of the things that we know as tele-evangelism and all those things. 
he said one day, if I said it, it must be true. He was questioned by his wife who said, do you really mean, did you mean that? He said, well, if I said it, it must be true. And that was the start of his downfall. So be humble. We learn as we go on. That's fine. There are different ways of prophesying. We used to have a lady here in the church who used to sing prophecy. And it was lovely. It was wonderful. And she'd sing out a prophetic word. God wants to bring these things to, to happen. Some people share and they don't realise they're being prophetic. I know that sometimes when I'm preaching I'm prophetic. I say a word and I think, where did that come from? And I know, and someone maybe comes up later and says, that was just the word from my heart, that very word. We're prophetic people. We're born to be prophetic people. So it can come through that, it can come through preaching, it can come through ways, talking to people. Have you ever had that experience where you're talking to someone and you say something to them and it opens up a situation? It blows it wide open or it brings a light into their eyes and they say, how did you know that? Know what? It's prophetic. God does these things. Um, we need this teaching and the word it brings. We're going to have to launch out into the spiritual. You've got to become brave to bring a word. But I want to encourage you at the start of this year, let this be a year of the prophetic where God speaks through us. I think, you know, we need a heart that's open to hear what God wants to say to us and he'll do it through you. Through you. Are you open to that? Are you willing to say that? I want God to do this. You have to learn. There was such a thing as a school of prophets in the Old Testament. Maybe we need a school of prophets in the New Testament. I don't quite know how to work it, but maybe we do need to do this. I know sometimes with the young people, Martin's taking them through these things. And you live and you learn, bit by bit. Let's just pray, shall we? Father, we want to thank you that you're gracious to us and you speak to us. You've promised to speak to us, Lord. You said that we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And Lord, your word proceeds to our hearts through a number of ways and the prophetic is one. Lord, we need to hear that word because we live by it. Lord, we pray that you'll just open our hearts and understanding to these spiritual things that are so vital. Lord, we want to tell you that we love you this morning. We want to open our hearts and minds and say we love you. Lord, just bless us now as we go. But let's, Pete, you ready to? We're going to have a bit more worship. Just open your heart at this time and see what God, maybe God will give you a prophecy. If he gives you something, then you can come out the front. It's better out the front because we've got a microphone. We can hear it. But if you're too scared, just shout. All right? Thank you.